0: Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now. And planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy, and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. dark shameful secret but you're not the only one get your hidden financial fears with a blast the sun now your healing has begun it's bad with money with gabby dunn hi welcome to this week's bad with money mailbag episode i'm gabby dunn this week's wednesday episode was about creative careers and money with river butcher and paco de leon don't miss it it came out two days ago It was a really great conversation. I love both of those people. So please go check it out. On today's show, we're going to cover a nice Apple review, Instagram comments about job interviews, Discord comments about generational trauma, and an email about student loans. Let's start out with this Discord comment that I really, really loved. As always, I don't read your Discord username unless you tell me I can because Discord is a little bit private and I don't want to out anyone. Okay, so this is a message that I got on the Bad With Money Discord. It says, I haven't finished listening to the latest episode, but I heard something about generational trauma in relation to wealth and financial well-being, and I thought I wanted to chime in. This person's referencing our episode with Chantel Chapman, so go check that out for more context. So this person continued, I'm from Hong Kong, and a lot of people who migrated slash were smuggled into Hong Kong in the 1960s, 70s, and 80s from mainland China are here because of the dire situation caused by first the Great Leap Forward and then the Cultural Revolution. I think the short intro paragraphs on Wikipedia on this would suffice as an entry point if you are into that period of history, of basically how communism slash Maoism fucked people over. Anyway, one of my jobs is working as an RA in a university in social work. Specifically, the two projects I'm on right now are Poverty and Family Dynamics of Elderlies Who Live Alone and Social Services for Cardboard Grannies slash Pickers, basically old people who walk around collecting cardboard boxes and other recyclable trash and sell them for money. A large part of my job is to interview them in terms of their lifetime experience and look at the how of how they got to be where they are. I've noticed a lot of them are still so, so frugal, often to a fault, with money and resources, even if they are now relatively well off. Some of them have children that are highly educated and had well-paying jobs, even owning property in Hong Kong, one of the most expensive places in the world. Or even if they could definitely live on welfare, they live rent-free in estates and receive monthly aid that could cover daily expenses more than enough. These stories remind me so much of the differences between rich and poor people thinking and financial psychology and all that spiel in the previous seasons of Bad With Money, I assume they mean. And I wonder how these kinds of trauma transpire into the next generations. I just thought this is quite relevant in bringing in non-Western or at least less U.S.-based narratives in financial trauma. I also wonder what some of those people who got out during those years and immigrated to the U.S. are like. Perhaps that could be another direction you could take, as I do see a lack of discussion about Asian culture and money. I loved the episode with Jessica Gao. Chinese do love their money and are not shy in showing that. This person is referencing an episode we did with Andrew T and Jessica Gao, all about um, Chinese people and money. So go check that out. This person continues: Refugees from Vietnam fleeing from communism, from Taiwan fleeing the KMT, and from PRC fleeing from Maoism, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, they may provide a very different view of generational wealth and trauma outside of the usual narratives. You do provide of Black people's struggles or the Holocaust. Not saying those are not necessary. Just saying there could be others. Anyway, I love your show. Long, long, long-time listener, starting when I was still in secondary school and has stayed with me through my adulting adventures slash financially induced breakdowns and all that. I'm so happy this show exists XOXO. Thank you so much for writing in. I really, really appreciate it. Yes, we did one episode uh, about South Korea and we did one episode about Chinese culture and money. And so yes, uh, we could definitely focus more on generational trauma for Asian communities. Um, We do tend to focus on the show a lot on my own experience as the grandchild of a Holocaust survivor and on um, black people's generational trauma. So thank you for writing that in. That's a very interesting perspective. Okay, now I want to talk about a post that I put on Instagram that I thought was really interesting and then it got some feedback. So this is a a screenshot of a tweet where uh, it's from at Parker Bats and it says, Shortest interview we had was a bloke sent by the job center who, before we spoke, said, I don't do overtime and I don't work weekends. The reply was, thanks, goodbye. About 20 seconds. So this is someone talking about the shortest job interview they've ever conducted. And then at Big Chris FGB responded, let me guess. You advertised a job with contract hours way below what you require them to actually work so you don't have to pay them full pay on their holidays or if they are sick and pay NMW or just above and expect them to give up key social time. So I posted that on Instagram and it got a big response. And I wanted to read a couple of them because I thought they were really interesting. Uh, so this is from Wad on Gart and it says, I tell you what, I'm with the bloke who speed ran the interview. I kind of wish I would have said that at the interview for the job I got. HR lies to my face, and I didn't find out how bad it was until a weekend. So forget loyalty or being a team player. I'm going back to self employment. Better to decide what's work time on my own initiative. And then another person, PhoenixTBX, wrote I worked at an animation studio that didn't pay overtime. I turned up for work an hour early daily. It was the last morning express train. The rest would have had me arrive 10 minutes late. I was told that because I left on time, I wasn't showing initiative. Leaving on time let me get the final Express home where I could get an hour to spend with my family, and if not, I missed out on it, and that if I wanted to keep my job, I should stay back late. I didn't listen and ended up copying their database of models to my hard drive before I left. Now they are struggling to find workers, and I have all of their projects on hand to mess with. <laughs> ah, that's really funny. Um, So yes, you know, I think... Jobs require people to put in overtime that they don't want to pay for and that they don't advertise in their contracted hours. And I think that is garbage. So I'm so glad to see that that post resonated with so many people. Okay, now I'm going to read an email about loans and then we will talk about the second half of the show. So this is an email from Felicia and it says, Hi Gabby, longtime listener, first time writer, she her pronouns. I feel obligated to write in to help the listener on last week's episode about what to do with their federal loans and consolidation in relation to public student loan forgiveness. I just went through something similar early last year when I finally had my federal loans transferred to FedLoan from another loan servicer. I found out some of my loans were not the correct type of direct loan to qualify for PSLF. Oh no, Felicia, that sucks. So that meant I hadn't been getting credit towards PLSF for the last six years of payments I had made on those loans. I did the math and realized there was no downside to me consolidating because either I would end up paying them off before the next 10 years or eventually would qualify for loan forgiveness on them. There wasn't enough compounded interest or anything to make a difference for me. So I consolidated only those loans into direct loans. And I specifically asked FedLoan for guidance on this through virtual chat, and they were pretty helpful. Fast forward to October 2021 when Biden made the changes to help more people qualify for PSLF under the temporary waiver rules. I ended up getting credit for those six years of payments that I wasn't going to get originally. So now all of my loans are set to be forgiven at the same time. Turns out I did myself a favor consolidating because I would have had to consolidate those loans anyway to qualify for this new waiver program. So based on my experience, my advice to the listener who wrote in last week would be to consolidate only the loans that are not currently qualifying. I believe they said they were PPFL loans. So consolidate those PPFL loans into direct loans so they can benefit from the 2021 waiver too. They have to do it before October of this year, so 2022, to qualify and leave the loans that are already qualifying direct loans as they are. If the listener started making payments on the loan at the same time like I did, then this action should put all the loans on the same timeline for forgiveness. Also, please feel free to give the listener my email address if they would like to discuss this further. I know it's extremely complicated and confusing. The only reason I've been able to understand it is because I have friends who are also in the PSLF program and we talk about this stuff with each other. Much love, Felicia. Wow, I love when our listeners help each other. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. That's what the show's all about. Okay, coming up, I will read an Apple review, welcome our new patrons, and talk about some news items. Stay tuned. So now I'm gonna read a nice Apple review from Kayla JG. Five stars. It says Money from Every Perspective. I have loved the podcast since the beginning and often refer back to earlier episodes. I love that Gabby only speaks with non-cis straight white men about money since there are enough of those guys telling us how the system works for them. Bad with money fills in the gaps of literally everything else. I was hooked from the beginning when they asked the most shamelessly simple questions about money. It was such a refreshing invite in. And now years later, although I still have work to do, I feel empowered to make good financial decisions because it's good for me and not because it's what some guy said I should do. Plus, Gabby is super funny and relatable and open to listeners' disagreement, which I appreciate. I look forward to episodes every week. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Gabby. Oh, that's really sweet. Thank you, Kayla. Yes, I did ask very simple questions, and I continue to ask very simple questions. (laughs) And hopefully um, that is something you guys like about the show, (laughs) like Kayla does. So two more things. One, I have a new show on Amped that starts April 13th. It's called This Week in Gay. If you go to my Instagram at Gabby Road, you can find out more about it. It's all about gay stuff. I'm going to be spinning gay music. Uh, It's a live show, so you can also call in if you want to. And also, I want to welcome our new patron, Jess. Thank you for being a patron at patreon.com slash Gabby Dunn. I want to leave you guys with a couple of news stories. One is just about... If you're a Verizon customer, you're going to get some spam text from your own phone number, and it offers you a gift if you click the link. So please do not click the link. You can Google it, but that's just a PSA. Uh, we are going to do a whole episode about scams with Lacey Mosley and Amy Ordman coming up soon, uh, but I just wanted to flag that scam for you guys. And then in the future episode, we're going to talk about even more scams, but do not click anything that offers you a free gift, please. And now the final thing that I want to talk about is the Don't Say Gay bill, which Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has signed. Um, I know this might not seem like it has to do with money, but it has to do with me and my life. So I just want to say to anyone who's listening, a large part of our Bad With Money audience and family are queer and trans people. I am queer and trans and I am here for you. I am listening to you. If you have any feelings that you want to send me via voicemail or email or email me a voice memo, I will listen. I think we are all here for each other. And just because this community is about money doesn't mean it's not also about people. So if you need to emotionally dump, you don't have anywhere to go, you can send it here. I would love to hear from you about anything we talked about. You can email me at gabbyisbadwithmoney at gmail.com. You can leave me a voicemail at 844-474-4040. You can also email me a voice memo if you prefer... Join our online communities too. Uh, A lot of those people are, again, queer and trans, and they would love to talk to you. We are on Instagram, Discord, TikTok, Patreon, and Facebook. Links to all of those will be listed in the episode description. Do not forget to listen to the show the day it drops so we can get on the charts and spread the word. It really, really helps. Also, if you leave an Apple review, it helps us get on the charts. And again, I am here for you. You are not alone. This show is here for you. We're more than just a money show, guys. Okay, I love you all. Bye!